Hello, and welcome to another episode of City on a Hill, a podcast about what it means to be a citizen of heaven and a citizen of the United States. We want to encourage Christians to find their tribe in the church and their hope in the kingdom of God, rather than to seek both in the kingdom of man. So with that, let's get to it today. Well, hello, my name is Eric Eastep. And I'm Scott Reevely. And this is a City on a Hill podcast. Welcome back, listeners. Welcome back, Scott. How you doing? I'm all right, thank you. How are you? Doing well. We are still in the hot room, and no one really cares about that except for us. But it's it's worth noting to me, at least. Well, the uh, the thing is, we have sort of committed ourselves not to doing hot takes, but we're getting, we're getting really close, <laughs> really close to making hot takes every week now. But you know what? We're only a couple of weeks away until it start cooling off. So yeah, it'll, I enjoy. I'm it while not it's complaining here. about the heat. Enjoy it while it's here. I'm looking forward to the not heat. Uh, last week we talked about the four. Um, models of the church engaging in culture, and uh, I gave everyone some homework to consider what is their default model that they use, and and we talked about um, the four of them being, uh, I think the last one we talked about last time was two kingdoms, so mm-hmm. there's the um, there's the redemptive kingdom, and uh, what's, what's the other? Common kingdom. Common kingdom, that's it. Um, and those two things are separate, and you engage those two kingdoms in different ways, um, there's the relevance model that uh, seeks to be relevant. Interesting. Yeah. Appropriately named. Appropriately named. Uh, there's the transformationist model, which um, emphasizes a distinct worldview. And if we, if we engage a particular part of culture, we can potentially transform that bit of culture. Also aptly named. It's very good job, Tim Keller. You're doing a fantastic job. And then there's the counterculturalists, which tries to be countercultural. Ding. Not going to say it. That's right. <laughs> so I, uh, if you were listening last week, you were given the homework to, to ponder which of these is your default response. Um, and Scott, what's your default response? Well, uh, that's a good question. Um, I, I have probably over the course of my life defaulted to each one at different times, which is, you know, helpful to me to kind of see it or think about it all at one time mm. and realize that, well, there's sometimes I'm really, you know, gung-ho to be countercultural and other times I was really gung-ho to transform things and to be mm. relevant and to, you know, have uh, two separate kingdoms really or mm-hmm. treat the, the church and the world way differently. So, yeah, I, that would be the way that I would respond to your question. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't, I, I definitely have a heritage that is probably trans, uh, transformationist, I think, mm. as far as kind of how I grew up looking at the world. Right. Yeah. How and about I, you? That's what I brought up last time is that uh, from childhood or, or rather maybe high school on, mm-hmm. that would be something I was trained in a little bit. And if, if there's a default, it would be that. Um, I think I'm similar to you and just the kind of worked through uh, some of these different models through through life and, and emphasize one and then another and then another. And um, do you think some of that is is just because you encountered them as you went and then, oh, this is this is a good idea. This is a good tool. Or was it more reaction uh, against like maybe you're in one model and thought, oh, this isn't working. So I'm going to kind of jump to the the opposite end of the spectrum. It might be that I think it's probably that mm. is, or I'm in one situation that 
it seems a little daunting to think about transforming it. So maybe mm. there's some other thing. Maybe we just need to do our own thing and do something countercultural. Right. Or maybe there's some people who had questions about something that they were interested in. And so I wanted to make it relevant. Something like that, I think, yeah. is probably the way that I ended up uh, approaching it just on my own, I guess. That's interesting. I, I'm going to try to avoid just completely describing a picture. But in the Tim Keller book, um, Center Church, which, again, we recommend you purchase and read and uh, ingest because it's really helpful. Uh, but he's got a, uh, a graphic kind of plotting these four different models and he puts them on an axis. And on one side of the axis, he has passive and influencing culture. And on the other side, he's got active and influencing culture. And then he kind of adds a y-axis. And there's full of common grace and little common grace. And I think in relating to what you just said, I've kind of had that. Like maybe you're engaging something and it just feels like, ah, oh, we're just doomed. We can't, there, there's just no common grace anymore. Everything's broken. And then you almost default to, um, and on this graphic, the counterculturist or the transformationist would be on that lo- little common grace um, mm. emphasis. And I, I can almost see that as you walk through and you're experiencing something, whatever that thing is, maybe a bit of culture or, or a particular group or a particular institution. And the culture almost changes your, changes your, your posture to it because you have, oh, this, this is not going. Or, may, or maybe you experience something that's just fantastic. Um, I'm picturing like... Uh, one of our campuses engages in uh, foster parent night out. It's just a really good bit of culture where they're taking care of foster parents and giving them the ability to um, have a, have a date night. That's a lot of common grace. And so mm-hmm. when you're, you're engaging that there's, there's nothing dire or broken about that. You're like, this is good. This is, I don't have to change much to uh, engage this well. Well, it's a piece of culture that somebody did change though. Mm-hmm. Initially they mm-hmm. said, let's do something that is, well, let, let's do what we can do to transform this foster parents' experience, perhaps. Sure. I don't know. Um, so that was probably where something like that came from. Right, right. So we've done, you, you've all done the homework. You've all chosen your default. Um, perhaps I could say even the thing you're most tempted to do, because a, a default, maybe you overemphasize it when uh, it's a default. So that's something worth pondering. But what, what do you think, Scott, about... We kind of went through all four last time without pointing to this is the best one or, or, or anything like that. What do you think is the most helpful way of engaging culture in general? Well, I, I think that uh, you'll never engage culture in general. You'll always engage culture in specific, really. I, I reject your question. That's perfect. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> not to saying, I'm not saying you ask a bad question by any means. But I, I do think that that's some of the place we get in trouble mm. is that we say culture in general and then we have some reaction mm-hmm. to that or a news item that we have that really doesn't have anything to do with us and we have no control over. And so how are we going to do that? I right. don't know how we're going to do that. Right. What I do know is kind of where, where I can, you know, engage and where the levers are that I can pull and I, you know, I, I go back to the things that I have, you know, some level of control over and things that I don't have some level of control over. And that, that helps me, you know, when I just separate my life into those two things, turns out that the things that I don't have control over are pretty enormous and there's a lot of them. And then the things that I can control are pretty small. But when I think of that, then I can 
look to apply these things, mm. look to make, remember cultures, make something of the world. I can make, I mean, those things that I can control are the things that I can make something of. Mm-hmm. And when I can make something of it, then I can go ahead and engage it in some um, proactive and uh, hopefully helpful mm. way. And I'm, you know, I'm thinking about, um, you know, when I was coaching, there was really no way I was thinking in any, any kind of terms that, you know, the Westland Softball Association would somehow be a Christian softball club. Mm. Mm. That makes no sense at all. Uh, I was, however, thinking that I wanted to coach a team where I brought Christ's rule to bear on the coach, myself, mm-hmm. and on uh, the way that the team interacted with umpires, the way the team interacted with each other and opponents and bad calls and all of those things. Mm-hmm. And so there was, you know, there, there was, it was a small enough sphere where I had some level of control and could right. um, a, approach uh, culture, m- creating something sure. of the world, yeah, this yeah. little team that I was trying to create. So, so not just engaging culture, but desiring to make culture also in that, in that context. And mm-hmm. I like it's, it's around what you can control. Those things are small and, and limited, but you can well, engage those particular things. I think that changes the question a ton when you think about what you can control, what you mm-hmm. can't, because then you're back to making culture, right. making something of the world, rather than just you know watching it happen to you on TV mm-hmm. or trying to figure out what are you going to do about this you know big problem that isn't really yours to solve. Mm-hmm. And I think so many Christians get wrapped up in things that aren't theirs to solve right. that they either get, you know, sort of uh, catatonic thinking about the church and culture, or they get so fired up that they're really no good to anybody because mm-hmm. they're just mad about everything mm-hmm. or afraid of everything. And here I think you've got this uh, prospect that, that you know, and I, and I think that's the way that I'm, I'm thinking about reacting or, or engaging culture too is that we are culture makers, mm-hmm. and what happens, I think, a lot is that Christians become culture copiers. You know, I mean, how many sermon series, and don't look on our website for how many sermon series are titled, you know, some uh, offshoot of a quotation from a movie or some other, um, you know. <laughs> I'd like to think we've done okay. <laughs> I think we've done okay, but but I'm not that confident. <laughs> don't Just don't look at it. But the reality is copying... You know, copying culture is one thing. Mm-hmm. Actually, actually, creating culture is something different. Well, that triggers an idea for me as well. When we're looking at culture, we're either copying. It's, it seems to be the two options are copying or reacting against. Mm-hmm. And that just puts us in the wrong framework because neither of those things are creating. Right. And we were put in the garden. We were created. Everything was very good. And we were to be uh, co-rulers with God and um, take dominion to make something of the world. And if you abandon that bit of posture, that bit of uh, task that humans are supposed to do, and we're only copying what other people have created or reacting, we're not even doing the thing we're supposed to be doing, which mm-hmm. is making. Mm-hmm. And, that, and I think that puts us in the wrong frame of mind as engagers of culture, because one of the main things we're do, supposed to do with culture is create it. Well, and, I, and I think, you know, there, there's another way in which the word culture is used, and that has to do with the culture of the team or the culture of your workplace or the culture of your family. And, you know, in some respect, that also is what you make of the world. 
Mm-hmm. And so it's an appropriate use of the word culture. But what I want to think about doing is I want to think about uh, what am I going to create here in the, the Reveley family? What am I going to create here at New Life Church, Lord willing, that will be some kind of a representation of the kingdom of heaven on earth? Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking in terms of, you know, church culture. So again, mm-hmm. see, that's... A, yeah. We use that word, but a lot of times we don't think of this connection where it really is this church culture. Maybe, maybe it's a counterculture mm-hmm. because the community that is described in the New Testament as the one another's of Scripture or something, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a life group or something, is going to be different than your committee at the um, in the city or your workplace or wherever else at the bar where you might, you know, find some community, but it won't, it won't be, it won't have the character Mm. that the Christian community would have. And so you're trying to create, you know, a counterculture. So in that instance, you might say, I'm countercultural because you're, but not because you're acting, but because you're trying to create this culture as described in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and you created something different than the widespread culture around, so it's inherently countercultural, right? And so I think that you know when you when you kind of think about uh, you know creating instead of re- like you said, I, I like that you, you pointed out reacting or copying. Uh, then you're really uh, these four ways of looking at culture are they're helpful because you're able to look and say, am I making you know, am I doing countercultural? Am I, am I treating the two kingdoms separately? Am I too passive because of that? Am I trying to transform? And, and a lot of transformation, what, what goes as transformation ends up as copying. Mm. You know, that's, I think that's one of my critiques, though it didn't come out last week, is that you end up copying, uh, you know, in, in, the, in the realm of politics, let's just say. Uh, what ends up happening is that the church ends up copying the the way the world does politics mm. in order to try and transform right uh, oddly transform politics into something christian right which that would never work mm. right to do it the the world's way to get a to get not the world's end mm-hmm. that's not going to work yeah but i th- so i th- i think if you're if you're constantly thinking in terms of you're going to make something of the world or your your small group or your church is going to make something of the world and I, I think these these four um, ways of looking at it are helpful because sometimes you may transform something that you because mm-hmm. of the way that you make it. You want to make it into something, right? I think that's great. Um, you know, we're tr- we're trying to do that a little bit with this podcast. We're trying to transform you know podcasting into this <laughs> into this great you know. Uh, sort of uh, focus on uh, how the church needs to engage politics, we're trying to create something that we do hope will be transformative. Mm -hmm. So are we transformationists? You know, to a degree, I suppose. But we're not trying to inject into an existing piece of culture to change it towards different ends. We're not trying to take something over. Right. Right. We're not the only podcasters. We're not prohibiting other podcasters right. who have uh, other messages by any means. So, you know, that's 
But we are trying to communicate a distinctive view of the world, a yeah. distinctive view of the church and politics. So there's a sense in which, there's a sense in which, and I guess yeah. I think that's fair to say, there's a sense in which you kind of utilize all of these tools as you're thinking, mm-hmm. where do I go from here and how do I create this, um, the culture that I want in my family or small group or workplace or whatever it is I'm trying to create. Right. Well, and I like that. These are various tools or models that can be used depending on the situation. And that, I think that's Keller's argument as well. And I like, Scott, your caution when I ask the question, how do you engage generally? Um, depending on how you define generally in your brain, it's going to be something, um, maybe it, maybe it's something that is full of common grace. So your, your default position uh, to that general idea in your head is going to be one of these positions. And then you're going to take that model and uh, do a one-size-fits-all approach. And the specific thing you engage may not be like the general thing you envisioned before you decided mm-hmm. on a model. So I, I like the caution, and I think, it's, I think it's what Keller recommends as well, is all these things need to be involved. All these models need to be involved. And the four, uh, he describes four blended insights that, that should come together um, and be used in various situations. He, he basically grabbed humble excellence from the two kingdoms approach. So I don't like, I don't, I'm, I don't want to reject excellence. That, that seems to be a great um, takeaway from the two kingdoms approach. And then he emphasized the common good of the relevance model, um, which again is, is helpful. And then d- the distinctive worldview, which you've already mentioned from the transformationist model. And then the church as countercultural from the, you guessed it, counterculturalist model. Um, and all four of those things, I would hope uh, any Christian would say, yeah, we want to do all those things. Uh, but they are emphasized differently in each of those models, but they're all helpful tools in, ga- in engaging culture that we may need in different situations. Well, and, and right, and I think the different situations, but I don't think you ever probably abandon, for instance, the common good. Right. You don't ever abandon, I have a different look at the world than the people I'm having dinner with tonight. Right. Or something, because you're, you're these, these um, ideas that you mentioned, humble excellence, common good, distinctive worldview, church's counterculture, those kind of fashion everything I try and create when I try and create culture. Mm-hmm. So that I, I'm doing it for the common good. I'm doing it because I have a different look at the world, because the church is countercultural, and because I, I do think that your humble excellence represents Jesus. And so I, I think that you can build all of those in, and but when you think about it, building it in, again, it's building because you're creating the culture, not right. building it because you're having a reaction to something that someone else is doing. Mm-hmm. That's good. So we're basically saying use all of them. That that's our general and and use them in context. So mm-hmm. some sometimes you'll do better uh, with one than the other. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was thinking about I, you know, we're right across the street from high school. I will I will interact with these differently with high school students than I would with high school teachers, for instance. Mm. I would uh, interact with high school differently than I would with, um, say, the um, police department or some, I mean, I just think that you're going to have to contextualize, you know, what culture am I talking about, first mm-hmm. of all, and then what what would, you know, not what would Jesus do, not just something, but that's not a bad place it's to start. It's not a horrible question. <laughs> it's not a bad place to start. 
But uh, in other words, how, how would I represent Jesus with this, mm-hmm. with the police department or with the school or with the newspaper or whatever it is? So mm-hmm. That's good. I, one of the, and I wrote this down um, for a different time I walked through this, but I think there's a couple of questions you can ask that kind of hit all of these models. So you're, you're engaging some bit of culture, whether it's the school or the police department or the, the coffee shop or wherever. Um, and you could potentially, if it's, if it's full of common grace, if it's just a good thing, you could potentially receive it um, and say, this is a good thing. I don't really need to change much of it uh, because it's just good. And I can, which would kind of sit in that relevance model a little bit. Um, you potentially may need to reject it. Some bit of culture um, say, consumerism. Like we, we're going to reject that bit of culture because that's not something we should engage in as a church. Um, so we're going to reject it. And uh, that would be, I think that'd be a counterculturalist type of, of posture, uh, type of mo- use of model. Um, you could redeem something. So uh, it, maybe it's being used in a broken way. So you are going to uh, potentially transform it and, and, and reinvigorate it with the proper way of doing something. Or it may just be, this is a good thing, and we need to excel at it. And I think work is a good example of that. I don't need to worship my work, but I should um, I should excel at my work, and I should be known as someone who does that work well because I'm one of the image bearers. I'm one of the ones who is following, following Christ and, and trying to do everything as worship. So there should be an excellence in the way I engage. So I think those you could kind of ask those four questions. Is, is this something I'm to excel in? Should I receive it? Is there just nothing I need to change about it to be able to receive it? Uh, should I just straight up reject it because um, it's it cannot be redeemed um, or redeem it? It's something that has been uh, maybe perverted and changed so it can be, uh, I think about our worship of like vacation or something. There, there is something um, inherently good about rest, but we kind of, uh, we kind of glorify l- leisure. Um, and we demonize work. And I think you can redeem rest and take back rest. Say, this is a good thing. We should be resting. We should be um, putting our head on a pillow and trusting God to take care of the world. And our trust is enacted out in that rest. But we don't need to glorify um, vacation. We don't need to live for the weekend. So I think that's a redemption of rest, kind of a pulling back um, and, and engaging it the right way. So those are four Hmm. They're kind of questions I ta- I kind of ask myself, um, but they kind of fit along these four models as well. Because you, you may do something differently. You may use a different model um, depending on what you come up against. Yeah, I think those I think those are, are good. And again, you know, they're a little bit reactive because you're, ta- you're taking what somebody else has, you're taking what's there, saying, how am I going to react to it? Not to... S- the reality is you got to react to those things. Right. I mean, you're not going to like be the first person to ever create work. You're, you're, guys, check this out. <laughs> I thought of something today. Yeah, no. So you're going to have to react to a lot of things. So I'm, I'm glad you. I'm glad you said that because those are ways that you can, you know, look or ask questions about what is already there. Mm-hmm. You know, and then think in terms of what it is you want to create uh, on your own. So that's. I think that's really good. What were those four questions again? One more time. Receive, reject, redeem, or excel. Okay. Well, there's, uh, you know, I, I think the, the contextualization question is one of the ones that we have um, 
kind of have to again highlight and say we're gonna we're gonna deal with culture in context and so mm -hmm. some of the is not in general it's going to be kind of in specific and some right. of those specifics are going to be uh we're going to need to be counterculture others will need to be relevant and maybe even on the same day in right. just different contexts and i think that that's i guess i want to encourage christians to mm -hmm. be uh, flexible enough to follow the holy spirit and keep in right. step with him so that you can do that rather than and i think some of it is we we sort of make these and, and we do this with a lot of things we make them litmus tests like well they're trying to redeem that there i mean if they were discerning at all or if they were really mm. christians or if they were bible believing they would never try that well maybe they would you know i mean you you mm -hmm. mentioned i think in the last episode like the uh the the seeker uh, church movement they had great intentions of mm. seeing people come to know jesus i mean really and so we can't say, well, they're awful. I mean, they, I don't know they got it right, but they, they tried. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's the, uh, that's a kind of grace we need to give each other and recognize we're, we're trying to contextualize these kinds of responses to culture and, um, do it in a way that represents Jesus in each one of them. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I guess that's my encouragement is that that we would be contextual in our application of these rather than, you know, rigid or right. you know, black and white or dogmatic. And you're you're kind of describing the posture of a missionary and uh, in trying to figure out what what is this culture doing, what can I make here, um, and and how do I do this best uh, depending on one the just the general locale where are you on the globe. And how is it uh, differently postured than any other place on the globe? And then those different places within that, and whether it's the police station or the coffee shop or the grocery store or wherever, um, that's going to require a different response as well. And I think not just not just a missionary approach, but uh, as a Christian, you are uh, an exiled ambassador waiting for the kingdom to show up. So take this on. Like you, you got to be studying. You got to figure it out. Uh, and know you need various responses to best point to the kingdom um, as you engage here? Well, I like the fact you brought up missionaries because this this very question about how does a church engage culture has been a missionary question for as long as there's been missions. And, and one of the cri criticisms of missions is that they don't get it right, mm. that you'll run into people who, you know, who live in climates as hot as this room that we're recording in, and the missionaries that went required them to wear suits and ties because that's what you did at church, even though they'd never seen a suit and a tie before they saw a missionary. And that just strikes me as, you know, we're, they're, they're, they're equating some things that are cultural, you know, in one place and bringing them in another place, assuming that they're sort of a tried and true thing they need to be, mm -hmm. you know, that, that's central to the, to the gospel. So, right. Anyway, that I mean has been a little bit of criticism of some missions, anyway, and uh, and I think I think we can do that, you know, here too. Well, no, you gotta you gotta stand when you sing that song, or you gotta. We can just make rules that we think are central, and they're not central, mm -hmm. and so then we're just knuckleheads, basically. <laughs> That's the takeaway, folks. <laughs> That's right. Don't be a knucklehead. There we go. Nice. 
Well, I will say one other thing. I mean, we're, we've borrowed heavily from Timothy Keller, and we um, have a ton of respect for Center Church, where we got most of this material, mm. uh, except when we riffed on our own thing and then don't blame him for it. But um, he closes his chapter, or his, even his section on uh, culture, with four practical suggestions. And these, we've been around, but I, they're good enough that I want to say, say them out loud for people. One is avoid arrogance, mm. which I've hinted at, but haven't said enough about. You know, your way may not be the only way. It may not be even be the right way. Avoid arrogance. Avoid blame. I think it's easy to that it's somebody else's fault or somebody's against us or somebody's, you know, completely in sin. Just avoid blame. Avoid frustration because this is a messy process and it's long term. Mm. So avoid frustration and avoid naivete. Because I think it's probably easy for us to think that I've got, I'm going to come in here with the right answer and it's going to change, or I'm going to make some assumptions about people that are going to be wrong. Mm-hmm. And that it's going to be easy to be naive about the complexities of culture I'm trying to engage or change or react to or right. create. Right. That's helpful. Those are four, four good suggestions. So I hope this episode was helpful. Uh, we just basically said use all the models because they're all applicable depending on uh, what you're trying to engage or re- react to or make. And think of yourself as a culture creator yep. rather than just a culture reactor or a culture uh, avoider or anything else. Yes. Or a culture 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 battler. Mm-hmm. You're not that either. Um, so I hope this was helpful. Uh, send us an email if there's questions you have about this or um, maybe maybe you have some specific questions. How do I get engage X or how do I um, talk about Y or, or whatever? Just send us an email. You can do that at comment at cityonahillpodcast.com. Um, and if you want us to use your name, if we use one of the questions you send, just let us know. Yeah, that's okay because we don't know if you don't let us know. Uh, don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Rate us. If you find what we're doing helpful, a review is helpful for us and helps other people see what we're doing and share this with a friend. And until next time, We look forward to the next conversation.